Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome, listeners. It's Adrian here on the latest Arcade Attack podcast. Again, joined remotely with my lovely friends Dylan and Rob. Dylan, how are you doing, mate? I'm I'm not bad, mate. I wouldn't call myself lovely, but thank you. <laughs> and Rob, how's it going, my, my squire? I'm going okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm lovely, but I'm definitely remote. <laughs> <laughs> We've got faces for radio, uh, but now we don't even see faces because we, we're, you know, we're just now completely away we from each other. We don't see each other's go. faces now. We're like, oh, <laughs> who the hell are you guys? You're just like a voice. You're well, a voice in my it's head. it's sad times right now. So I thought I'll do a game. I'll, I'll go for a game that's all about sunshine and rainbows and happiness and uh, everyone oh, getting along so, nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Animal Crossing, New Leaf. Animal Crossing, <laughs> New Horizons. No, I thought we'd go a little. We'll go a slightly different tangent. How about Half Life Two? Uh, man, that's quite a tangent from Animal Crossing. <laughs> I don't think you could have got a much different game. Well, actually, you say you say that um, Doom Eternal and, and Animal Crossing, the new Animal Crossing, released on the same day. And I don't know if you've seen these great uh, collabs between the two sort of Reddit groups. Um, they, there's been some really good mock-up art of Isabel, which is a cuddly dog in Animal Crossing, holding uh, a gun from Doom and, and working with like the um, the Doom guy. And it's brilliant. Have you, I don't know if you guys have seen any of those at all. No, if I want to. That, <laughs> the crossover. Uh, no, but why aren't we doing Half-Life 1 like instead of Half-Life 2? Well, Rob, mm. believe it or not, the Arcade Attack podcast started before you joined us. And, you know, we, we we churned out a few episodes, and I think one of the one of the last ones we did before you actually jumped on board was actually my love and my sort of tribute to the first Half Life, and I sort of crowbarred in, excuse the sort of Half Life pun there, <laughs> uh, a bit of Counter Strike love as well. But that was one of our really earlier pods. I don't know if Deal will remember, but maybe you can put that in the old show I notes. I actually thought, I actually, oh yeah, Defo, um, I actually thought that Rob joined the podcast on the strength of that Half Life podcast. So now all <laughs> of my, all of my, all of that has been shattered, shattered, Rob. Uh, you know what? I think the um, game you guys covered that <clears throat> made me uh, decide I had to join was Earthworm Jim. Well, when I said I didn't we, like it. No, it's when you didn't say anything, Dylan. You literally said about two words from that podcast. I was like, <laughs> I was like Earthworm Jim? And that was Shoot, it. A, fire a cow in space? Fire <laughs> a cow in mark. space? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. Should we get into it? Are you ready Let's for this? Let's get into it. We've done right. Half-Life 1. It's superb. We love half. It's superb. And actually, look, life is grim. The country is in lockdown. Jobs are non-existent. A dark government has full control. Why do we keep and, doing these COVID-related things? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Well, Wait, the government related. <laughs> <laughs> the keep government going. has full control, and they're patrolling the streets with violence and fear. Seriously, oh, COVID? Okay, enough about life in Croydon. Let's talk about Half Life Two. <laughs> that was my little intro. Um, I was thinking, actually, like, like we said earlier, we've done Half-Life 1 before in an earlier pod, but we haven't done many sequels, like follow-ups. I don't think there's been any podcasts where we've done a complete... We've done, like, two Zelda games, truthfully, and we've done a, but not, they're not really sequels. Can you think of any other examples? What, 
that we've covered sequel wise. Yeah, like two games, but two separate games in the series. Mm. A deadly mm, silence falls uh, on the uh, Arcade Attack podcast. No, because <laughs> like we uh, we talked about this in terms of the background kind of thing, and I think the issue is that uh, there are certain games where we think we should do all of them together. We can't yes. all of them together or separate ones. Because I know there's been talk of doing some of the really big series in terms of um, consecutive ones, but I think there is also disagreement as to whether that might be too much mm. to have consecutive episodes with the same series. So I'm going to just chuck it out there. Streets of Rage, for example. That's one we mentioned. That... Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Should that be Streets of Rage, just one old pod or three separate pods or some weird two pods? It'd be, it would be odd, wouldn't it? It would be mm, odd. It's a hard one. <laughs> it would be odd because you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't cover all three streets of rage in one podcast. It would be like two hours long. <laughs> but it? Dylan, if you had to do a whole podcast on streets of rage three, you might lose your hair. Oh, uh... do you know what? Like, I don't, I I don't think... have any hair to lose. <laughs> I think uh, streets of rage. The games are similarish enough that we can probably squeeze all three in one. But we'd I think be rushing like... it, man. We'd be rushing it, wouldn't yep. we? We'd be rushing. Yeah, like you look at the Sonics, the Mortal Kombat's, the you know those games on their own are iconic. Enough. The Dooms, I think you've got to do it multiple episodes. But we just, I think we have we need to do a Mortal Kombat two episode pretty soon. Oh yeah, well actually, as time of speaking, Rob, that's been our most popular podcast. Full stop. Mm. The yeah. Mortal Kombat one, it's been the most downloaded. Yeah, so there you go, the Mortal Kombat man. Yeah, oh, they've gone crazy for that. Or they just Mortal love Kombat. Rob Stokes <laughs> it tones. Singing, <laughs> should we should we get back on Half Life Two? Hey, sorry, Half Life um, Two. Yeah, Half Life. Like, yeah. So, say as someone who uh, has ever played Half Life or listened to the, that episode of the podcast, uh, <laughs> explain it. Someone else, like why don't for these for those listeners explain uh, the first Half Life to everyone? I'll, I'll explain it very briefly because uh, I'm going to wing it because I haven't played it for a while. Last time I played it was when I did the podcast, probably about three years ago. But Half Life One is i think one of valve's first games it's a first person shooter you control a interesting hero a scientist bit nerdy his name is gordon freeman not your everyday hero that's that's for sure and he's a smart guy and he's some accidentally or he's he's part of this big uh situation where he sort of rips a portal in um, a sort of science lab and this portal sort of opens up the earth to aliens and they can sort of basically spoiler alert you you then have to go on a mission to uh you, you, to, to kill these aliens kill these sort of enemy that obviously as humans evolved as well they're kind of siding with the aliens it's quite a dark um but a very clever first person shoot. it's got a story behind One it of the, the pulse. funniest things about half-life one i think i mentioned yeah. it in the half-life pod is that kind of random beginning to it because you, you you you're in that uh you're in that lab and there's that thing that you have to roll towards the middle of the room and i always thought <laughs> about doing a meme like of the picture of the thing like away from the middle i'm like oh um why don't why don't i roll that to the middle of the room what could possibly go wrong <laughs> <laughs> well everyone will be like uh everything can go wrong don't roll into the middle of the room you 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 rip up the earth basically that you open up a, a sort of you know uh, a portal to an alien world and, you, and all hell breaks loose so dylan mate don't you could do it say, you could say that <laughs> gordon freeman 
Gordon Freeman is a git, basically, for doing that. He's not going to be like this kind of protagonist, like the hero in the whole two games. But basically, he caused the damn mess in the first place. If he didn't roll that thing, if he didn't roll that thing to the beginning and like cause the portal and cause the sort of the, the rip off of everything, then mm. everything would have been fine, wouldn't it? The Black Mesa would have been fine. And, you know, that would have been it. You're making it kind of sound like a cross between the, the plot lines of Doom the movie and Event Horizon. Yes, <laughs> it's totally like Event Horizon. Yeah, I think but there's Horizon, no rock in it. Event Horizon might have ripped it off, or it ripped it off. I think they both came around about the same time, didn't they? I'd no. say, yeah, yeah, it would be late nineties. Late nineties, yeah. Look, Half Life is a brilliant game. I did hint in that pod. It took me about three years. I'd, I would do a follow-up on the sequel. I think they deserve their separate pods because uh, they are often regarded, both of them actually, as sometimes as the best games ever made, especially PC games. There's a lot of accolades that go to both. Um, are you happy for me to kind of sort of bypass Half-Life 1 and go straight to Half-Life 2, though? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> obviously you got you got my previous pod <laughs> and all those shenanigans that went on back then, so have a listen if you want. Um, guys, Half-Life 2 is obviously the sequel. It was released on November the 16th, or in 2004. And again, like I said, it's often regarded as one of the best games ever made. It wasn't just released on Windows. What other platforms did it come on? Any got any ideas, guys? Well, there was the, the fabled Dreamcast version. That's Half-Life 1, dude. This is Half-Life 2. Oh, Half-Life 2. Oh, sorry, I'm going back to Half-Life 1. Half-Life 2? <laughs> what? Yeah. Half-Life 2 was only on PC, wasn't it? I believe. I've got it down here as Xbox, Xbox 360 and PS3 which I, I didn't know about, uh-huh. truthfully. So if that's a mistake on Wiki, I apologise, but it's definitely a PC game in my eyes. Yeah, there you go. Whoa, I did not know that, and I've not seen any of those versions. So you'll have to... Did you do I any, made a big mistake there. Did you do any Half-Life. research on those versions just to make sh- just to like find out how to get them or <laughs> when the hell they came out? I've got it here on the platforms. Uh, it does say, but there you go. May, you know... Well, I've never seen it myself, actually. But how many copies has been sold of Half-Life 2? Millions. 15 million. Deals? 15, 15 million. I reckon, million. I reckon 3 million. Uh, Rob's easily the closest. Not quite 15. This is, I think this, this number does not include uh, digital downloads, but I might be wrong. But I've got 12 million copies here, so it's a wow. big seller. A big wow. seller. I actually got close for once. Yeah, Rob wins. <laughs> Pod over. Um, also in the game, because uh, a huge, another massive fan of Counter-Strike back in the day, you got Counter-Strike Source, sort of an updated version of the original game in the in the, in, in the um, the package as well. There's also a Half-Life 2 deathmatch, which truthfully wasn't particularly good in my eyes. If you wanted to sort of multiplayer a game, you play Counter-Strike. But not bad. Uh, not bad considering it's more than just one game. But Half-Life 2 is purely one player. Um and that's what I'm going to focus on today. Now, now, Dilsey, mm-hmm. a few years oh. back, we interviewed the uh, chief writer of the High Life series, uh, Mark Laidlaw. Do you, remember the, do you remember him? We did. I mean, I don't even know how you pulled it out of the bag. I think after it, people said, well, yeah, he kind of comes out every now and then, gives like a random site a juicy interview, and then kind of disappears again. So that was yep. us. That was us that time. He, Rob, I don't know if you know this, but it was a text interview. Um, and I asked him lots of questions about what he did in Half-Life, Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2. He, he, he worked on Half-Life 1, but he really got his teeth into Half-Life 2. That was his sort of big game. But the thing that really got people's um, tongues waggling was his discussion on Half-Life 3, 
Now, I don't want to jump the gun. We'll talk briefly about that towards the end of the pod. But, wow, it went viral, didn't it, Dylan? I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but this interview... We actually had tens of thousands of people going to the site. I think the only time that's ever happened. But, obviously, our readership and our listenership have been boosted ever since. It was quite a lucky quite a lucky thing for us but it was covered by pc gamer i think ign did like a IGN, yeah. did, did a video thing on it um, someone, us? um well they mentioned us though so they yeah. kind of they kind of did a did, did a thing on the whole mark laidlaw talks about half-life 3 thing and so in an interview with arcade attack and all these like all these like people saying arcade attack on youtube was really odd i was like huh huh <laughs> What? How's this even I think it, Yeah. <laughs> and actually, do you know what? I used to work in SEO, um, search engine optimization, and it's changed a lot since then, 15 years ago. But I think it's still true. Organic links back to your website is the best way for Google. It's the yeah. best. So we, the amount of – and we're not just talking about random links to some person's dodgy blog at home. We're talking about IGN and PC Gamer, and it was absolutely incredible. So our Google ranking probably went through the roof – over overnight it is it always i mean we were doing quite well for certain like keywords and that and before but after that it just it just bumped it way up I, th- I think obviously other issues have brought it down now but then it was just like woof off we go <laughs> so yeah that was it was a good it was a good steal i think and and mark it's a good i'll again i'll link back to that in the in the show notes but it was a good it was a good juicy interview what was, was the main sort of juicy tidbit is that what you're going on to now yeah, he mentioned Half-Life 3. I haven't got the quote here. Sorry, I should have done some prep on that. But he just said in his eyes that Half-Life 3 or um, how, how it sees the game continuing is there wouldn't be a, a, a finite end. There would not be a satisfactory ending, he thinks, for Gordon. It would just keep going and going and going. And that he's kind of hinted about that again in future interviews where he thinks that Half-Life is not a game that needs a kind of full stop. It needs a comma, and it should be key, you know it should be kept going and going. Uh, the whole story could could sort of evolve, and it you know quite an interesting answer. It, it rustled a few feathers. It it also got people talking about the fabled Half Life Three, which which we haven't seen yet, but we've got hints that it might come. You know, wait, hold your breath, Dylan. I know you're excited. <gasps> <laughs> but that could but come but guys check out the interview obviously it's really proud i actually did it emailed him again relatively recently he said look mark brilliant we'd love you having the site earlier would you be up for a podcast interview he's he he's he sadly and politely declined he said he doesn't really feel comfortable but i think you're right dylan he just um pops up his head now and then and he's chucks a, a cool to, dude i think i quite cool like dude. i quite like the fact like like how elusive he is and just people call that like, they keep an eye on his Twitter. Like all of these guys have kept an eye on his Twitter account. And as soon as he tweeted that he did it, that was when the kind of rush was on. It's like, oh, what's he like? What any kind of like juicy tidbits as he said? And it was that whole bit. And in fact, I've got the whilst you were talking about it, I've got the interview here. Oh, you go. <laughs> so um, here you go. <laughs> so 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 Adrian's question was actually, do you have any idea whether Half Life Three will ever be released, and would you be willing to work on this title? And he goes, here he goes. This is verbatim. No idea, and I have no interest in going back. I had ideas for episode three, 
They were all supposed to take the series to a point where I could step away from it and leave it to the next generation. I had hoped for a reset between Half-Life 2 and Half-Life 3 that was as dramatic as the shift between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. Uh, I honestly don't know if anyone else shared this goal, but it seemed important to me to give ultimate freedom to whoever inherited the series with my own personal set of loose ends tied up to my satisfaction. Unfortunately, I was not able to do that, but I never thought as far ahead as Half-Life 3, unless you were to say that Half-Life 3 and Episode 3 were the same thing. I will mm. say that I expected every installment would end without resolution forever mm. and ever. There was some rumour going around that Episode 3 or Half-Life 3 would end Gordon Freeman's story, and I don't think that was accurate. My intention was that Episode 3 would simply tie up the plot threads that were particular to Half-Life 2, uh, but it would still end like Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, with Gordon in an... in indeterminate space on hold waiting for the next game to begin so one mm. cliffhanger after another a bit a bit like sherlock but better <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that that's what he, it was literally that 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 little bit that everyone cottoned on to and they were like oh yeah go and read this and oh it would go on and ever and ever and ever and ever so that was that thank you mark you know uh he didn't have to help us out he was you know good on him do you want to hear some development stories about Half-Life 2 and how it sort of began and sort of developed and sort of evolved into being, of course. in my eyes, one of my favourite games of all time? Yeah. So Half-Life 2 began very soon, six months after the release of Half-Life 1, which was, uh, it started in 1999, the work on Half-Life 2. So it did take, so what, it came out in 2004, uh, a good sort of four or five years to make, didn't it? So, you know, but here we go. The Valve's president, Gabe Newell, very, 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 very respected man mm, in the gaming industry. Yeah, yeah. He he obviously made Steam and so forth. He said he wanted to redefine the FPS genre. He said this in, in a previous interview. Why spend four years of your life building something that isn't innovative and is basically pointless? If Half-Life 2 isn't viewed as the best PC game of all time, it's going to completely bum out most of the guys on this team. Oh, now, wow. that's pretty bold statement, isn't it? If it's not the best game ever... What's the point? And I quite like that ambition. It's, it reminds me of when Arsene Wenger says, let's try and win the season undefeated. And everyone laughed at him. Yeah, yeah. And cool. he did it. And Gabe Newell, you know, that's a really bold statement. But in my eyes, there's a huge argument that Half-Life 2 could be viewed as, well, definitely one of the best, if not the best PC game of all time. I love it. I've played it through... Two and a half times, Dylan. Okay, last time, you know, we've been playing it again quite similar time recently, but I played it. It's one of those games I, I kind of pick up and play every sort of three or four years. I'm sure I'll play it. I'm going to complete it again another a sort of third time. I'm loving it. Um, he went on a bit. He says, look, he told his team, there's no deadline. There's virtually unlimited budget. Whatever you need, I'll provide. Basically, we're going to develop a whole new in-house game engine called Source. Um, you, you go for it. Um, Half-Life 2 was not set in a single location, whereas Half-Life 1 is set in the kind of the Black Mesa research facility, which you mentioned yeah. earlier, the, kind of inside the sort of sciencey blocks. But he wanted a much more epic and global feel for the sequel. Mm. Do you, what do you think of that statement? Do you reckon they pulled it off? Well, this is the thing. I've only played a portion of the game, uh, and I skipped quickly through mad bits of the playthrough. I'm like, how the hell did he get to that bit? So I, I would assume, and you'll probably say this, that they did, they did it, they did achieve that you know yes 
I because what I think is the most clever thing about Half Life Two, uh, and there's a lot of clever things, but for me personally, it's a it's a linear game. You know, it's a single player game. There's a there's a direction you have to go in, but it's so well made. Whereas you look like you're in such an open world, um, and, and they're not holding your hand. But it's I don't understand how they do it really. It's very subtle but clever. They give you hints about which direction to go, yeah. where you have to drive your buggy cart, you know how you have to traverse through different buildings, through through different like trapdoors and, and and bridges. It's 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 something that not a lot of games pull off. Whereas you know things like Max Payne, which I I love, it, it seemed even more sort of linear. You knew exactly where to go. But Half Life Two. I can't un- quite, 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 quite explain how they do it, but it's open. But there's, there's still a direct goal in view. Do you kind of, do you get that sense already, Dylan? Yeah, it's a weird. It, it's kind of how they've taken it from the first one and kind of lumped Gordon Freeman into this desolate world with all these weird cities, and it's just, it's, it's like a completely different game, but it retains the good bits of Half Life. Yeah. So, like, you made a joke about the crowbar earlier, <laughs> and uh, you know, and you don't mess with Gordon Freeman. Like, oh, seriously, no. like, you don't mess with that guy. There are bits where, like, you're just gunning everyone down, and you're thinking, these guys shouldn't be messing with Gordon Freeman. Like, this, this, why did they even bother? Like, yeah, it's that good. He doesn't look like your typical hero. He's a bit nerdy. He's got a goatee. He's got glasses. He's got a crowbar, but he's well, got he like, went a to hazard- MIT. He went to MIT, so I think he's a bit like Howard off uh, the Big Bang Theory. But, yeah. Could you imagine? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> the Big Bang Theory game. <laughs> I'm, I'm only joking. I don't, I don't watch the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's too cool to watch the Big Bang Theory. News he's th- too cool. Newsflash. Um, Rob, I, I don't know if you've been here, but I think Dylan has. Have you guys ever been to any Eastern European-style cities before? Uh, well, I know Dylan's been to Eastern Europe, so yeah, uh, I don't think I have. I don't. No, I've never really been further east than East Berlin. Ah. Well, the whole game is 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 um based in, or a lot of it's based in something called City Seventeen. So it gives you a clue about the kind of government. I think they basically called Lund- Croydon might be City Twenty Two, for example. Could you imagine? It's what it's upgraded. feeling like at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's been upgraded from a town so i think what i assume is there's different cities around the world and you are based in city 17 and you wake up uh i'll speak about that a bit more with g-man we'll talk about g-man a bit later mm. but it's it's based the whole kind of style and i loved because i know didn't you've been to russia and so forth it's based on the kind of eastern european sort of oh, God, uh, you really but, uh, feel, yeah bulgarian I, kind of look yeah i remember the first time i went to moscow and me and my me and my good friend Mark, who I went travelling with, who occasionally listens to the podcast. I don't know if he's treated himself to this one. Uh, we were trying to find this place where backpackers hang out called Galina's Flat. So it's a lady, like a like an old Russian lady called Galina, and she literally lives in this Soviet flat um, bl- block of flats. And you have to find your way to the train station and then through like the weirdest neighbourhood and a weird kind of. Um, this was years ago, but she had like a weird uh, doorbell system, a, b- a bit like the ring thing that you have now, but she had one of those and it was just like, are we in the right place? Are we going to get <laughs> shot? It's just like, you didn't really know. And like, yeah, Half-Life 2 has totally captured that kind of, like that Soviet kind of gloom. And obviously like Russia's mm. gone 
gone on come on miles since then but it had it, like it just kind of captured that that whole kind of essence so i think they chose i think they chose pretty well with that that's good um quick shout out to mark as well he he was involved in half-life one he noticed as well after half-life one was released a lot of people uh, fans of the game sort of attach themselves to the characters in the game not just gordon i'm talking about the scientists you work with and mm. i think there's someone called there's someone called barney that helps you out like a, a it's a spin-off game of his as well like a like an oh, add-on yeah. pack for the first half-life but they noticed that a lot of people who played the game sort of like these characters so mark uh, decided that it was good to expand upon this bring in families of these members make them a bit more real and it just it just makes for me this first person shooter game is not just about here's an enemy shooting down. It's, it's got a bit of feel to it. You, you know the characters around you. You understand. It's quite a convoluted story, truthfully, but you kind of understand what's going on. You feel for people and it makes you, you know, I don't get me wrong. I love Duke Nukem 3D, but for me, Half-Life and Half-Life 2 especially, just it just sort of takes it to another sort of level in that aspect. It's a clever, clever game in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, people are quite sad right now in a sad time and I thought, why not do a new back of the box jingle? What do you reckon, guys? <sighs> it, but has Rob? Did Rob have prior warning of this? Did he? Did he have chance to to whip up one as well? Uh no, I didn't. <clears throat> oh, then it's an unfair fight. Then <laughs> we, you, we can't have it. It's unfair. Rob, are you happy for to still do it, Rob? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're kidding, Adrian. Now, We're kidding, Adrian. Adrian, have the floor. It's not really a jingle. It's more of a song. But are you happy? Are you ready for this? Is it based on a Backstreet Boys jingle? <laughs> Even better. Okay, go on. You then. ready? Yeah, go on. Uh, let's do this. Okay. You might hear something in the background. Ready? Go on then. Wait, wait. It's got to kick in the right time. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, yeah. Oh, well, I tried to tell you so. Yes, I did, but I guess you don't even know. As I said to Starry Goes, baby, now I got the flow. Because I knew it from the start. Baby, when you broke my box, that I had to come again and show you that I'm real. You lied to me. All those times I said that I love games, you lied to me. Yes, I tried. Yes, I tried. You lied to me. Even though you know I'd read for you, you lied to me. Yes, I cried. Yes, I cried. Return off the back of the box. Return off the back of the box. Return off the back of the box. You know that I'll be back. Here I am. Return off the back once again. Return off the back. Start up the jack. Return off the back. Watch my doom. You know that I'll be back. Here I go. <laughs> so I'm flipping over the game. It's reading things to keep me sane. Letting all the people know that I'm crazy for the back of the box. Because what you did... <laughs> You know what's wrong. You didn't put in the car properly. So baby, listen carefully while I sing my back of the box song. You lied to me because she said you'd never turn over the box. You lied to me. 
but you did, but you do, 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 you lied to me. All these cards you said I'll never play, you lied to me, but I do, but I do, do, do. Return off the back of the box, return off the back of the box, return off the back of the box, you know that I'll be back, here I am, return off the back once again, return off the back, start up the snares, return off the back, watch my F-Zero, you know that I'll be back, here I go. Woo! Oh. <laughs> Adrian, <laughs> stop lying about your love of boxes. For God's sake, a real I'm console. Quitting. Uh. I'm quitting the <laughs> Like, Rob, what do you reckon? If I ever hear to you that again, I'm quitting the podcast. Like, <laughs> who? Can I, I have a few questions about that. Who is who is lying to you in the song? That could I don't know. <laughs> the guy who <laughs> wrote the blurb on the back of the box. <laughs> then why read it out in the first place? I don't. I mean, there are, are a few you, plot holes. Are you a Mark Morrison fan? That's what I want to ask. No. <laughs> who? Who in 2020 is a Mark Morrison fan? Me, I love that song. <laughs> well, I thought it'd cheer people up. Adrian's, that was my intent. Adrian, yeah, because everyone's in isolation still, so this is that's a good way to cheer people up. I mean, I'm I'm actually crying. I'm I'm actually crying with with joy. That was so that was so amazing. Um, I'm actually slash, crying slash, as slash hilarious. Um, so Dylan's crying with tears of happiness. Rob's crying in tears of sadness. Did, well, I mean, well, sadness, sure. <laughs> As long as it gets tears out, it's all right, isn't it? Let's, let's uh, it's cathartic. Cathartic. Let out the feelings. Cathartic. So what? So what's what's the link between new back of the box jingle and Half Life Two? Uh, there isn't much. And before before I go forward, actually, I kind of um, there's a there's a great podcast I listen to called The Cast, and he did a similar sort of version. It gave me thinking. He does something called a Magpie Fax, and he kind of used that song. But I thought I use it from back of the box. Return up the back of the box. Up it's the in box. my head now. <laughs> Well, do you want the back of the box of Half Life Two? Yeah, please. Here we go. <laughs> the most intense and exhilarating conflict ever undertaken in a video game. PC Gamer, ninety six percent. The sequel to PC Gamer's greatest PC game ever created opens the doors to a world where your presence affects everything around you. From the physical environment to the emotions of both friends and enemies, as Gordon Freeman pick up the crowbar once again and rescue the world from the wrong you released back in Black Mesa. Remember, a lot of people are counting on you. There you go. Back of the box. It's a short one, isn't it? Yeah, it's short. It's short and sharp, really. It doesn't give you too much, but I guess... When you already know what Half Life One's about, you don't need to be sold. Let's be honest. No, true, true, true. <laughs> Do you want this, a bit more depth in the story behind Half Life Two? You ready for this? Yeah, go for it. This this will hopefully get Rob on. It, 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 Rob, at the moment, are you fifty fifty? Whether you're going to play this game? Uh yeah, sure. I mean, it's not really kind of an era I um that much like generally we when we kind of there'll be days when we might record more than one episode in a row and generally because we always do it in your neck of the woods you're being collectively the three of your neck of the woods i generally have to take the train at a certain time and when i take the trains generally when we do these kind of like generation games so um uh, maybe like i don't really have the means to, i don't know if i have the means to play it but maybe do you know maybe. what rob yes i mean that's that's for, as as rob goes that's that's pretty solid he's got we've got maybe out of him 
And you know, this might entice you more, Rob. You actually start the game in a train. That's how you start. Like uh, that level in Goldeneye. Well, no, you kind of wake... Okay, let's let, hit you the story. Here we go. So, following the period of instability caused by the events described in Half-Life, an interdimensional organisation known as the Combine invades the Earth, defeating the human forces in the Seven-Hour War. We don't see this, I don't think, but it, it happens. A combined citadel is erected in C- City 17, a town in Eastern Europe reminiscent of World War II ghettos. Dr. Wallace Breen, a human scientist, rules the city on behalf of his new masters. An energy field prevents humans from pro- uh, procreating and no new children are born. Earth is turned into a grim, oppressive police state. Meanwhile, Gordon Freeman, the man who was at the centre of the events that took place shortly before the rise of the Combine, awakens from his stasis and is inserted into a train to City 17 by the mysterious G-Man. Gordon is soon brought back into a resistance group and makes a seemingly futile attempt to bring down the Combine and liberate the Earth. What do you reckon, Rob? Is that is that Hollywood movie all over it? Uh, yeah, I mean, a seven-hour war doesn't sound like much of a war, but... <laughs> Have you seen the weaponry, mate? <laughs> no, it's fair. Well, yeah, but, but apart from I'm that, intrigued. you're sold. I'm intrigued, yeah. Um, so you wake up. It's very similar to the first Half-Life. The first Half-Life, you wake up on a kind of tram. So imagine the Croydon trams. But now you've upgraded to the Croydon trains. It's quite a good, yeah, I mean, it's quite a good vehicle for kind of setting the scene, isn't it? So in the first one, it it shows you the facility and kind of you going into it. And then you're like, oh, you kind of really feel immersed into you are a scientist, this kind of thing, isn't it? So when you're on that train in Half-Life 2, it's like, oh, man, I'm going to the most depressing job in the world. Like you're on this... (laughs) You're on this train with like two other guys, isn't it? And you kind of walk up to them and they like, do. they look like they want to kill themselves. And you're like, okay. And Dylan, I don't know if it's, maybe I'm just an old fogey and I don't play modern games, but just the fact when you talk to these people and their eyes and their heads kind of move where you move, it's quite clever. It, it's, I think that's one part of the game that really sort of spoke to me, especially when I first played it. What year like, did Half-Life it, 2 come up? Because there was a bit of, there was quite a bit of a, a delay between the two, wasn't there? Because Half-Life 1 would have been late 90s. When when did Half-Life 2 come out? 2004. So I think Half-Life 1 was... About five uh, years 90, after. Yeah, four or five years, yeah. Crikey. It's a long time, isn't it? And actually, the first part of the game is more of a tutorial. You're just walking around. You know, you, you haven't got a gun at the start. You just sort of talk. And if you get too close to those annoying... Uh, yeah, you know, humans with batons, you get you get shocked. I mean, do you remember that? They it? electrocute you, don't they? <laughs> get away! You. Yeah, it's pretty scary. It's actually a little bit like Equilibrium, which you mentioned uh, before. It's, it's totally quite... like why do we keep on like talking about these Covidy type things? Like, what's wrong with us? <laughs> oh man! Um, look, Half Life Two is a linear first person shooter. And it does have a lot of problem-solving or puzzle-solving elements thrown in for good measure. I love it. I love the, the puzzles in it. It's not, they're not stupid puzzles. They're about you trying to get to other places in the map. So, for example, you might have to sort of dive down to the water, uh, rescue barrels, use those barrels carefully to sort of – the physics. Use those barrels to sort of wait up a sort of drawbridge. And it's just so really well done. Again, I'm not – physics was – a out of all the sciences, I was terrible at physics, but even I could realise how good, how realistic the physics are in this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No arguments. Um, no arguments. Were you good at physics at school, Dylan? I was bloody awful at physics. <laughs> I, I, I just, 
I just about scraped a B, I think. <laughs> Better than me, mate. Better than me. And B's um, not bad. Yeah, B's not bad. Um, also, throughout the game, so I think Dylan got to this bit as well. There are some brilliant driving elements, like a buggy type vehicle. There's also a sort of like a, a, a sort of speedboat, kind of sort of sewer speedboat thing. Um, is there going to be loads of spoilers in this? Are we, we're just going to spo- spoiler the hell out of this episode. There'll you? be a one, one or two spoilers. I haven't done loads, but do you want to chuck in a few spoilers? Oh, jeez. I mean, it's it's hard to spoil. You could you could actually talk about the first sort of you know the first third of the game apparently, and you wouldn't give too much away. I mean, there's not like big like plot revelations or anything. It's the whole. I think what what Half Life Two is clever at is making you feel like a wanted man. Yeah. Yes. You're basically, as soon as they cotton on that you're Gordon Freeman, and obviously the head guy really doesn't like you, uh, it all just kicks off. And it's just like, it's one brilliant set piece after another, all in mm. first person. And, you know, I've played a lot of first person, especially, you know, I've played like the Medal of Honor games back in them days, and obviously Halo and all those other ones. But it's for actual kind of, kind of panic. The kind of panic that instills you that, you know, you're gonna, I, I played on easy, obviously, but still, even, even that, and just, <laughs> you've got the whole world is after you, and it really makes you feel that, and I think that, that, that's why people should, should at least give it a crack, because it, it, oh, it's it, amazing. it is, has got that kind of Hollywood kind of, you're a wanted man, and, you know, something bad's gonna happen to you, unless, unless, you, if you stop moving, something bad's gonna happen to you, that's basically what, it, what it is, isn't it? And I mean, you, got, you yeah. guys uh, mentioned films a lot. Is I'm guessing it is a very cinematic for a game, even like uh, yeah. Yeah. comparison to maybe newish games, I'm thinking. It's all in I, the game yeah. engine, so there's no cutscenes as such. It's kind of, you are, everything you see, and like the, the graphics were great for the time. Uh, obviously, if you play it, play it on today's PCs, you get the full, all the texture yeah. effects and all the, like the glorious, like water effects and everything. There's a lot of it is on like waterways and like, um, canals and stuff. And it's just, it's just, it has a very cinematic feel without the need for sort of cutscenes and things like that. It's very, very cleverly done. The way you interact with the characters and the way like things flash up on the t- television sets around. It's very, it's, it's a lot like equilibrium. It's just so, and like the way, the way kind of things flash up and it's very dystopian and it's, it's very yep. cool. It's a very cool game, I'd say. It just looks amazing, and I, I think even though you have got aliens attacking you, kind of face hugger esque, uh, crabby, what they're called, you know, it's, it, it still feels quite real. You, you've got humans attacking you, you've got monsters attacking you, and somehow the universe just sort of comes together, and it, it, it makes sense in a way. It's just a it brilliant that, environment. Yeah, it has that merge of aliens kind of living in our world. Yeah, isn't it? So you've got these weird sucker alien things head on the crabs ceiling, yeah head crabs and the head crabs oh, and yeah. like and like you'll see kind of like things like ropes dangling down you're like oh i'll just maybe i'll just <laughs> grab that rope no it grabs you and sucks you towards it unless you like shoot ah. the hell out of it it kind of like bites you to death it's just like this weird and it, it, it doesn't feel out of place it's like that world even though it's a humanoid world has all of these aliens in it and like like there's like the good aliens that are helping you as well it's just very half-lifey one with whilst being a completely different game yeah and you know you know Dylan, i'm a huge fan of the first game but for me and not everyone's gonna agree with this fact but half-life 2 just spoke to me on a sort of even higher level it's just amazing it is like a 
it, the cutscenes are brilliant. There's bits when people are talking to you, and if you walk away, the speech gets quieter. And if you go uh, a bit it, closer, you're completely interacting yeah. with this. It's not a cutscene yep. as such. It's literally something that's happened happening in that game world. And if you walk away from a conversation, then you miss that. You're a bit of an arsehole, but yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm talking to you, too, Gordon. Come back. <laughs> um, it, it's well worth checking out, Rob. Man, I tell you. Um, look. A few characters in the game. Let me whisper a few of the main characters. We've got good old Gordon himself, famous scientist, crazy goatee, loves a good crowbar. He's also very quiet. He never actually talks in the game. Very similar to Link, yeah, I would no, say, in that say aspect. Yeah. He doesn't. Um, Alex Vance. We like Alex. She is a young woman, mid-20s, Afro-Asian descent, and is prominent figure in this particular game. She is the daughter of uh, Ellie Vance, who was apparently in the first Half-Life game, uh, a scientist, but Alex Vance, spoiler alert, uh, she's she's a really important character in Half-Life 2, but she's a playable character in Dilsey. Half-Life Alex. And, there you go. Lol. And a, a lot of people really liked her spunk. She's a, a go-getter. She's a great person in the game. She's always there to help you. And uh, there's some levels, I think, where she's there basically by your side helping you out shoot aliens. You feel for these characters. And you know what? We'll talk a bit more about the older Half-Life Alex a bit more, the latest game in the series. Um, I don't know this television act, this American actress. I wonder if you do, uh, Rob, I know, or even Dylan. You, you, you know more than me, possibly. But she was modelled after the actress and television host Jamil G- Giovanni Mullen. Does that ring any bells? Mm, no, what's Mullen? Yeah, no. What's she been in? I didn't check that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, Ellie Vance's Ellie Vance is Alex's dad. He is a respected scientist, a nice ally, a good ally of all Gordon. I think he's a, like a bit part character in the first Half Life. I think mean, there's a bit of, uh, you know, it's not always completely sure if he's in the first game, but a lot of fans think he is. He's based on Larry, the, the count heard, um, which I've never heard of to be fair. Uh, but, but this is a great story though. Larry, heard uh, was a local man, uh, apparently quite near the valve offices. He was holding up a sign saying he's looking for work and Val found him on the corner of highway of their local highway and said, we're going to hire you as a model for the game. How great is that? That's pretty great. That is great. work. Sorry? Advertising does work. Advertising does work. And you know what? He's, um, he, he's also, the character is also used in the, the latest game as well. And fair play, you know, good, good on him. G-Man. I want to talk about G-Man. Okay. He is a mysterious character. He, we don't know if G, I mentioned in the first pod, whether he's good or bad. He, but he is sinister. Whether he's a nice guy, that's up for debate, but he's certainly sinister. And he's voiced, I think, expertly by an actor called Michael Shapiro. He's done a lot of credits for other games. Um, but he's a mysterious character. He always pops up. Uh, he's a sinister interdimensional bureaucrat. He is known to display peculiar behavior and capabilities beyond the, of normal humans. Is that and like I've, acting stuff in lots of games? Yeah, he's done lots of voiceover work in other games. I haven't, I haven't got the list in front of me, truthfully, but he's best known as G-Man. And I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, yeah. I actually, I actually uh, emailed, his, he's got a website, he, and said, are you up for an interview? Um, and his, uh, I think his agent came back and says, well, maybe, but how many hits do you get a week? <laughs> how popular is your podcast? I replied back with some figures. Uh, I haven't heard back since, but you never know. You, you, we might actually get an interview with the with the voice of G-Man, but I wouldn't hold our breath, Dylan. No, Sorry, I wouldn't, dude. no. You should have lied your <laughs> ass off, mate. We could have got an interview. Well, 
but then you get the chance to talk to me. I said, that's what, that's what really counts, right? Oh yeah. That's it. You know, I chat to age. I've got the um, opening kind of um, narration from G-Man at the start of the game. Are you ready for this? Ooh, yeah, I, know I like you've it. it. I like it. Yeah, go uh, on. Yeah. Rob, I'm going to try and do it in the sort of G-Man voice, but yeah, I'm not going to do it just like G-Man. <laughs> A lot of people think G-Man stands for government man, obviously bureaucratic. But here we go. Dylan, uh, uh, Robbie. G-Men were uh, FBI agents in the old style lingo. Oh, I'd take your word for it. Yeah. But here we go. Here, here's his opening narrated to Half-Life 2. Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Not that I wish to imply you have been sleeping on the job. No one is more deserving of a rest. And all the effort in the world would have gone to waste until, well, let's just say your hour has come again. The right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world. So wake up, Mr. Freeman. Wake up and smell the ashes. There you go. It's, it's 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 quite creepy, spooky. It's it? really creepy, and that, that's like obviously the the sort of the one the one cut uh, the one cut scene I've seen of. I don't think there's any later, but then then it goes into it cracks into the game, doesn't it? But it's it's it's, it's a great setup. It's a great setup for for. I love it because yeah. G Man pops up. Apparently, he's in the game a bit. I've never actually spotted him, but he's pops up in a few places, kind of just watching over you. Again, we never quite understand whether he's good, bad, evil, or somewhere in between. But he's a really interesting character, a bit like the Smoking Man. I think he was called in X Files. No one, you know, I, I, I wasn't a, ma- a massive fan of X Files, truthfully, but I think he's quite a well-known character. Quite yeah, the, uh, cigarette Smoking Man. I think they renamed yeah. Cancer Man. Right. The series is. I was a big fan of the X Files when I was younger. Ah, uh, yes, X Files. X Files. I had an X Files T-shirt. I was that kind of. It, do you like? Do you guys not think it's weird to have like a T-shirt of a TV show or a film? It kind of feels like it's socially acceptable to have a band T-shirt, or even maybe, uh, yeah, I'd say an old school gaming T-shirt. But to like have a TV series or like a film or like a new film or like even a new game, do you think that's a bit weird? Uh, Rob, mate, every other T-shirt is Rocky based. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm up for anything kind of on a T-shirt, man. Screw it. Would you get G-Man on your T-shirt? G-Man? Yeah, duh. <laughs> duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> um, wait, I've got lots of Rocky, Rocky. I've got, yeah, lots of Rocky T-shirts. Other films. I used to have a Top Gun one, truthfully, back in the day. But they're old school. They're different. Like, it's kind of, that's got a kind of, I guess, cult sash. It's got, like, a cult factor. But, like, I mean, a new film where if you were kind of to do a, wear a T-shirt of a film that came out last month, that would be weird, right? Can you imagine cats cats the musical cats the musical like, rob has that t-shirt no i no I lo- no i'm saying i like the film but it would be weird to to wear a t-shirt of it uh, i don't know i'll go for anything these days mate that's I've, your dad you've given up like i've just given up man i've just given up on life <laughs> yeah i've just given up man. well do you know who might get you back singing and dancing dylan um, do you know Half-Life 2 also has a character uh, a pop singer is in the cast real life or the game well they're in Half-Life 2 there's a character called Lamar and if you remember correctly Lamar shot to fame in 2002 and he finished third on the first ever series of Fame <laughs> Academy do you remember I, I'm hoping that they haven't that's, they're not linked other than by name the Tottenham Born star achieved great success with his first album, Time to Grow, and has had seven top ten singles since then. 
Wow. The, sing- the singer is now 38 and still lives in London. He has- he's actually won two Brit Awards and three MOBO Awards too. I, can't, I cannot believe he's that, that well decorated. That's and in Half-Life 2, he, he plays... Mind those would have all probably come in the first two albums. Yeah. <laughs> and in Half-Life 2, he actually plays a domesticated head crab. <laughs> it's a bit of a difference, isn't it? In the game, Rob, sorry, dude. The, I, I, spoiler alert, Lamar, the singer, is not actually in the game. It's my little joke. Who would have thought it? Adrian making jokes. Oh, Adrian's um, always making them jokes, man, that guy. <laughs> That is such an anti-climax. Oh. But there's there's a doctor in the game called Dr. Kleiner, and I like him. He's got an old-school doctor, sort of balding. He's a nice guy, a bit, a bit eccentric, but he's got a pet. And his pet is not a normal pet. It's not a dog or a cat. It's a head crab. And it's basically, how would you describe it? Like a, Almost like a face-hugger sort of thing. It's bit, like bit a fatter. face-hugger thing. It basically like sucks people's <laughs> heads. And, yeah. and he's the cause of Gordon's issue, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Lamar, the actual head crab, has, has apparently had its fangs sort of detached. Um, and he's quite a cheeky head. He's a nice, he's a nice head, he's a nice pet, but he's a bit cheeky, isn't he? A bit mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he causes, basically, he, he causes a lot of issues. He jumps it, he jumps at the wrong time. He causes, uh, I think, like a, a teleportation experiment to go ho- horribly wrong. He gets involved in that and you, you, you basically, get sent to the wrong place and there's lots of aliens. So bless Lamar. I wouldn't want a head crab as a pet, but you know, there you go. Wait a minute. So is the character's name Lamar? Or Yeah, yeah the character's the name is Lamar. So so what happens? Um shall, shall I just talk about that bit of the game? So basically <laughs> you, you kind of you you're going through this prison and you and you find um that Barney guy. It's Barney, isn't it? And it's Bar- uh, and and he's dressed up as one of these soldiers and he's like, Oh God, now I'll help you or something. So then he gets you to mad mad doctor's lab and mad doctor has got a teleporter so he sends alex off in it first she yep. goes sees her dad and you can see it on the little kind of video screen you're like okay gordon now it's your turn so you step into the you step into the little <laughs> transporter thing you think oh this is pretty good it's pretty easy I can it's like the fly like, isn't it yeah i can go it's a bit like the fly so basically lamar goes mad he jams <laughs> up this um the rays or something him bouncing around the room makes it all go wrong to the point where you kind of like partially transform to all these weird places <laughs> and it's like oh is that Gordon Freeman oh he's disappeared again Woo. oh that, that that person you're talking about is Dr. Bleen I believe it Dr. is Bleen, and he's yeah, actually yes. the he's main, the main the enemy in the game yeah the main and he's guy. uh yeah you know in Lord of the Rings where um oh is it Christopher Lee he basically says yeah the human is going to die let's work with the, the orcs he's yeah. basically him yeah. Saruman yeah, he's Saruman. Dr. Bleen is Saruman. That's yeah. it. That's it. So he's, and then he basically, rather than ending up where Alex is, you end up outside of the building just behind where, where the mad, like, scientist guy is. And they're like, Gordon, go. And then basically from then you're just man on the run because you should have yeah. been, you should have had a lovely, like, teleporter <laughs> trip, like the other thing. And you've basically got to trek over this whole city just because of stupid Lamar. So in fact, Lamar is not nice, mate. He's a bloody, bloody nuisance. Well, if there's any, if there's any justice in the world. <laughs> oh, I knew you'd put that in. No one's going to get that. No one's going to get that reference. <laughs> Rob, do you get it? It was one of Lamar's songs. There he's, we go. He's big seller, mate. Big seller. Look, I, I know Dylan's not going to be happy about my idea, but I'd love a Lamar 
face um, a head crab kind of spin-off game. You're basically playing as an alien and you're causing havoc around the uh, office. What do you reckon? <laughs> I'd play it. <laughs> I knew that was the next, next thing someone said. I knew the agent saying either I'd play it or I'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> we know each other too well. Um, let's, so yeah, Dylan, man, you've, you've explained it really well. It, it should have been quite an easy mission for Gordon, but cheeky old Lamar up to those old shenanigans again. What's he like, <laughs> eh? <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the guns because Gordon doesn't just have a crowbar, believe it or not. He's got some great guns. He's got, um, Obviously, the pistol, the normal rifle, a shotgun, which which you get from a priest randomly. You get grenades, rocket launchers. Uh, but the game that I think that would have, that makes Half Life Two not just a brilliant game, almost arguably one of the best games ever made, is something called the Gravity Gun. Have you heard about this, Rob? Um, sounds vaguely familiar. Now, Dylan, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You haven't got to the bit where you get the Gravity Gun. Is that right? No. So the the chase encapsulates a really awesome hoverboat bit so it 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 tools up your you meet one of the random like technician people on the way don't you part of this resistance and then they stick you on a hovercraft and you're like uh okay and then it literally is just like you're being chased by like an apache helicopter and like you're ducking through waterways and you've got like tanks firing missiles at you it's just complete madness and then by by the time i'd got to that bit and actually like like taking a breather this was a couple of days ago i was like man, <laughs> i'm like i need another cup of tea i just I, I i just needed another cup of tea man so and then you said about the gravity gun and i was like hmm i kind of do want to play on but like we have to do the podcast soon but i and i and i just need to sleep I need because Half Life Two was was too intense, man. I just it's yeah. intense game. So, but you were like Gravity Gun. I was like, "Ooh, that sounds fun." Tell us about the Gravity Gun. It's, it's an amazing. It's a big, a big beastie gun. It looks pretty scary, but actually, what it does is it can. It's, it's a magnet, really. So you can suck up objects, you know, end of your gun, and you can fire projectile them out at enemies. So, for example, very soon in the game, when you enter a place called Raven's Claw which is a place you're not really supposed to go. It's a dark and scary place, quite sort of filled like almost like monsters. It also sounds like something out of Harry Potter. It does, doesn't it? It does, it does. Ravenclaw. Yeah, it's basically the same thing, but it's a lot darker. But you can actually pick up, well, whatever you pick up on the ground, you can shoot at enemies. So at some points in the game, you can run out of ammo. And what you do then is you turn to your gravity gun and you pick up boxes, tables, table legs, paint you know pots of paint and cool. the best yeah. it's great but you can pick up like um gas cylinders and shoot they want to explode uh but my favorite and it sounds pretty gross but you, you know you can, there's like circular saw bits you can pick those up and just you can actually if you aim it correctly you can slice through the heads of about three or four enemies in one go and uh it's pretty satisfying i have to say it the gravity the gravity gun which can be um enhanced in the game later spoiler it gets even more powerful is one of the most clever guns i've ever seen um it all kicks off actually with a sort of tutorial uh with with a character called dog which is a robotic uh sort of dog-esque creature i think the the robot it's it's basically a robot you know the robot in robocop 2 the main enemy yeah it it looks a bit like that i think when i see it so the big but it's, it's a nice guy dog is the pet of alex and to learn your your gravity gun you can shoot things around and and the dog catches it frozen back you can suck it up throw it back it's just brilliant so i i have to say the gravity gun is now iconic with the half-life 2 
uh, well, the Half-Life series in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, you hear people Which, talking about it. I, like, I literally <laughs> didn't know. It. I didn't. I didn't know that's what it did until you just <laughs> until you just said it. So. Would you like one in real time, in real life? Uh, yeah. Huh? If you had one, you could like. I'll grab a can of beer from the outside of the kitchen. Joink, grab it, drink it. Joink. I could like hand stuff to people using the two meter rule. Ah, oh, perfect timing. Yeah, it's very topical right now. Rob, what would you use a gravity gun for? You know what? I was just thinking about that, and <clears throat> um, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I come back to me in a bit. All right. Oh, oh. Can you imagine? You see, like an Uber driver driving past, uh, Uber Eats driver or Just Eats. You can suck out this food from their sort of. Oh, that's heart, a bit you know. harsh. Stealing someone else's food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't do that. Don't do that. Look, I don't want to go through the whole plot of the game, really. I, you know, I, I, there is a few spoilers coming up, but I've just got a few snippets of my favourite moments that I've been playing through recently. Is that okay if I share with? Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, I think Dylan's already, well, he has already mentioned it, but the vehicle bits are expertly done. I think sometimes in first-person shooter games, when they bring vehicles into the mix, it can be quite rushed. They're not quite as, as important as the rest of the game, but I credit to Valve. They've really taken the time to get the graphics, the, 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 the feel right. So there's like a speedboat, and uh, there's a buggy bit later as well. We can sort of go really fast. Again, you've got weapons as well. Uh, I love this bit. You meet up with Eli and Alex and Dr. Kleiner. And when you basically get down to meet Dr. Kleiner, you travel down an, uh, an, an elevator, a lift. Uh, and down the lift, you can see different floors. And basically, on each floor, it's, you can see these uh, friendly aliens. They're called the Vortigaunts. They're like nice aliens to help you. And on one scene, there's, there's Vortigaunts like fixing things with humans. There's another scene where they're cooking food. And I just think some of the visuals are stunning. Um, I mentioned the dog as well earlier. Uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant. Um, I loved, I loved the Raven's Claw bit. The bit when you go in there, it's dark, it's it's moody, it's quite not nightmarish as well. It's it's almost like a different part of the game. What I think is really clever about this game is there's different s- settings. So there's bits in the dark, there's bits almost like a zombie sort of apocalypse. There's bits in the sand. It reminds me of Starship Troopers a bit. Um. And it just, it just seems to fit so well. It shouldn't fit well, but it just does. And, and Dylan, I know you agree with this, but, but the game is quite sparse with music. But when it comes in, you know something's going to happen. Is that fair? The sound design is really clever. Obviously, you've got yeah. the, the bits it, it stole from, well, borrowed from the first game. And, you know, with going close to characters and then obviously their voices increasing yada yada and then you know the sound effects for the guns and everything brilliant and the crowbar obviously you know the the instrumental crowbar in like smashing your way through stuff great but then when there's like a little bit of danger or just something around the corner and it all just kind of kicks in and just kind of you know that it kind of like like you know injects that bit of Mm. that bit of life to it and yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful how they do it oh i love it I love it. I think sound and, and music. I when I was talking to um, uh, Mike Clark recently, um, he basically said a good piece of music for a video game is something you don't really hear. It should be in the background, and I do. I do get that. I think I, I you know, it shouldn't take over the gameplay. But Half Life Two, they just it, the you know, the sound engineers are experts in their field. And do you agree, Rob? Sound and music can really be the difference sometimes in what what makes a great film or a great game that bit better sure but i think like uh 
as you kind of pointed out, what's sometimes what's good is that less is more. Yeah. You have to have like music in every scene. You don't have to have kind of sound effects everywhere. I think the less kind of stuff you have going on, the more impact the stuff has that when it, when you actually hear it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Half-Life, I've got that down to a T. Um, look, guys, it, I'm not going to finish with massive spoilers, but you, you basically you you up against the big man himself mr mr bleen i believe it is the doctor in a really interesting battle it's 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 a battle i've done a couple of times like i said i've completed the game twice um i haven't got through it in the third time yet but it's i'm waiting for it i can't wait to get to that bit uh it does kind of finish on the anticlimax uh but it does build up nicely to episodes two and episodes three which i'm going to talk about very soon but before i get to those kind of kind of talk about the sequels do you want some trivia about the game Oh, uh, duh, yeah. <laughs> you I love a bit of trivia. That's the only reason I've tuned in, ladies and gents. Yeah. Um, so the, the first bit of trivia, apparently, it's one mm. of the very few games uh, that has closed captions for the deaf. So there are the, the sounds are bracketed. Each character has different colours assigned to their dialogue. It's not just oh, text and screen. Nice. It's very well done. Yeah, I've never done it myself, obviously. But again, that, those little things, I think, well, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And here we go, some cut levels. According to the book, Half-Life 2, Raising the Bar. <laughs> there you go. The original, <laughs> the clever name. Raising the, the crowbar. Original, <laughs> uh, exactly. The original, remember, there was, a, there was a pub in Croydon called Crowbar. Do you remember that? <laughs> there was. Oh, my God. It was the, CR, it was the CRO bar because of the postcode. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the Crowbar. They should, they should rename it the Half-Life 2 bar. Would you go to that place? Yes, but I'd, I'd like to just add... In Croydon, I have seen a lady chase a man with a crowbar. <laughs> Are you joking? I'm not joking. Darren was there, and we were like, do we call the police or just leave them to it? Well, I think we just left them to it. <laughs> <laughs> was that Gordon Freeman's daughter or something? Or you a wife? <laughs> we literally just left them to it. I have no idea what was going on. So they, Were they running to or from the crowbar? That's what I want to know. Well, the guy was running. Um, the, crowbar. The, yeah. the crowbar the crowbar this was outside McCluskey's so I think <laughs> I think I think I think crowbar was just a a glint a glint in Croydon's eye but yeah it's <laughs> it was it was very odd but very Croydon yeah oh Rob what would you say if someone said look Rob we, we'll give you a pub in Croydon you know don't no strings attached really apart from the fact you've got to call it crowbar are you up for it what would you do uh do I have money to do it up yeah, but it has to be Half-Life themed, ideally. That's what they're trying to push it. <laughs> ideally. <laughs> um, no, it's it have, like running a bar seems like a lot of hassle, especially a bar where I don't get to pick the name of the theme. <laughs> yeah, true. Like I can go to a bar and get drunk if I want. Well, I can't right now, but <laughs> I, I can go to a bar and get drunk without actually having to own a bar. Dylan, it's just me and you, mate, I think. <laughs> I think it is, mate. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> Oh dear! But anyway, raising the bar or raising the crowbar. They originally said there's going to be four in-game days. So basically, Half-Life Three, Half-Life Two, sorry, excuse, excuse that, is based over three days, and it's supposed to be a bit bigger. Uh, but it was cut. It was cut. They just they ran out of. I think they ran out of time. They had to cut it down a bit. Um, but they, they some of the parts that they made in that original were recycled and used in a few of the future episodes, the expansion packs. The German version, what is different about the German version of Half-Life 2 compared to the rest? Any ideas? More scat? More scat, yeah, the one. Um, they, <laughs> they, they, they like censoring stuff in Germany, don't they? Oh, yes. Uh, blood, 
blood from humans, including Gordon Freeman, uh, was coloured grey. Okay. <laughs> and almost all enemies disappear instantly after they are killed. But in Half-Life 2, when you kill your enemies, they're on the ground forever. Yep. Yep. Um, the cries of the burning zombies were toned down. And in the original version, enemies uh, that get dragged with a buggy for a short time after driving over them. In the German version, the buggy just drives through them. There you go. So not quite as in your face. I feel like I feel like they kind of cheat themselves out of things sometimes, the Germans, don't they? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of those guys would have, by other means, got the other versions from other countries, wouldn't they? They would have got the other PAL version or whatever other... I don't know what, what other, other release there was of it just to experience. I mean, come on, grey blood? Seriously? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, You'd think know. it's Gordon really an alien. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, it's like, huh? It, it would add a whole new, like, other plot line to Half-Life 2. Is he an alien? What? What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> What's going on? Um, G-Man, literally grey man. Um, I've got this is my probably favourite fact of the, of the game. You ready for this? It's brilliant. In September 2003, uh, just before obviously the game was released, Valve's network, including Gabe Newell's own computer, was compromised and hacked, mm. and lots and lots and lots of things were stolen. And the entire Half-Life 2 source code was released on October the 4th. Only three days later, a playable version of the game surfaced. So someone, some scallywag, has stolen the data and put it online. Um, FBI was brought into the case and Gabe Newell also posted a message on the Half-Life 2 forum asking for the community to help them find the hacker. This is brilliant. But months went by. Okay, They couldn't find anyone, but eventually um, on February the 15th, the, hack, the hacker himself sent an email to Gabe Newell and he said, look, he said he complimented, he actually complimented Valve and said, this is brilliant work. Uh, he actually said he kind of apologized about hurting Valve. He said, look, if it's any consolation, I think you've made an absolutely outstanding game. Now, Gabe Newell and the hacker, the hacker was known as the guy, apparently, from Germany. There you go, just talking about the Germans. <laughs> they, they actually corresponded over the, over, they sent back emails, quite friendly-ish. And they actually came to an agreement that since the guy had been smart enough to compromise Valve security, he actually deserved a job. And a, a job interview was soon set up. How cool was that? That's madness. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, little trick here. This was a trick. This interview was a setup. So FBI FBI agents even would be waiting for the German when he arrived. However, when the German government heard about the scheme, they denied such activities and instead they arrested him themselves. And I think the guy was in jail for a number of years. Wow. So what do you reckon? Is that a fair... Gabe, do you think Gabe's quite a clever man? What's your views on that whole kind of theft scenario? I mean, I don't... It's it like a, a lot of kind of time to spend in there when no one was attacked or there was no actual violence and no one was physically harmed. Was anyone physically harmed? Like, did was anything actually stolen that was concrete, could not be got back, like money or something? I, I guess if you released the game on the internet, Rob, you could lose sales, couldn't you? Yeah, um, I mean, how long was this after it came out? Uh, well, let's do the math. So they, they said it came out, he, he released it on October the 4th, 2003, and Half-Life 2 came out officially, well, about a year later, November the 16th, 2004. So it wouldn't have been the full game, obviously, but that's pretty bad, right? Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's quite bad. But again, I don't think you should be in jail for how long? Did you say? Well, I, I haven't got it here. I know he went to jail for a period of time. I think it was. I think it was two years. If I'm wrong, I, I stand corrected. Seems a lot. But then I think I don't know. A lot of the uh, kind of short-term jail terms seem quite a lot to me. And then you go like the other way, and there are some things where you feel people should be in jail for a long time, and they aren't really in jail that long. But general, that's just a general thing, I guess. It's not to do with this case. This case, Dylan. Why don't you start talking? Uh, Would you go to the job interview, Dylan? Ah, oh, Dylan, you've stolen half of my biggest game I've made for the last four years. Come to a job interview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. I mean, that's clearly a setup. <laughs> it's like a Hollywood movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't say no, please. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, there you go. So, the guy, if you're listening, uh, sorry you had to go to jail. Hopefully, you learned from that time, and uh, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> right, we'll wrap things up quite soon, but I've got a couple of bits and bobs. Um, I mean, come on, Half Life 2 was received with so much acclaim. The aggregate score out of 100 on Metacritic, do you guys want to chuck some numbers at me? 95. I was going to say 96. So... Rob's on the money. Rob is on the money. Damn you, Rob. <laughs> 96. Um, many, many, many websites gave it a perfect score. So, you know, 100% or 10 out of 10. I'm talking GameSpy, the New York Times, and even the videogamer.com. And believe it or not, guys, the Cincinnati Inquirer also gave it a perfect score. Oh, wow. Ooh, the Cincinnati <laughs> Inquirer. Ooh. I didn't know the Inquirer Cup of games. Ooh. <laughs> the Cincinnati one does, Rob. Get it right. Uh, PC Gamer, IGN, Games Rider, uh, Game Raider, Eurogamer gave it near-perfect scores. Um, Edge gave it 10 out of 10. It's it's huge. You know, it, it, most people call it, a lot of people call it the best game ever made. It has earned 39 Game of the Year awards. That's I mean, how ridiculous. crazy is that? Yeah, that is 39. Ridiculous. So many PC game, game of the Year awards during that time. It broke charts left, right, and center. And people were chomping and champing. Chomping and, and champing. A, a bit of, and whatever the combinations in between those two, they wanted more. So in 2005, what did Valve do? They were chimping at the bit. <laughs> they were chimping. They were like chimpanzees. From Chimpan A to Chimpanzee. <laughs> um, but in 2005, Valve, they released a Episodic Games and they continued the Half-Life 2 story and they released Episode 1 in 2006 and Episode 2 in 2007. Episode 3 was scheduled for Christmas 2007, but what happened? It must have got canned. Canned. Never released. And a lot of people thought that was it. Half-Life is gone forever. But... A prequel, Half-Life Alex, was released only a matter of days ago. That's mad, isn't it? Probably weeks when you listen to this podcast. How but many very... years? Like 15 years later or something. Like... Do the math. Do the math. Um, do the math. I've played through episode one, episode two. They are very good. They're, they're, they're quite short, truthfully. They're almost like additional chapters on. They're not about another sort of third of, of the game added on. Uh, but they're really well done. Um, and as Mark Laidlaw said at you know in our interview, it kind of left on a cliff cliffhanger. There was no ending. Half uh, episode three was always supposed always supposed to happen, um, and there was a huge Half Life hiatus. I mean, people were there was. I mean, guys, if you want to cause any aggro on, on the internet, just say Half Life three is never going to happen, and people have a breakdown. But we did get a new Half Life game. It came out of nowhere. When Dylan, when was the first time you heard about this new? half-life alex game man it come out of nowhere it was it did it was only about a month or two ago they were like 
I thought it was just a concept. I didn't even realize they were that along, like that far along. It must have been kept a really secret, or I just haven't been paying attention. You want to know when they started making Half Life, Alex? Uh, uh, can I have a guess? Have uh, a guess. 2014. That's very close. It started development early, early experiment phase, really, in 2015. But full production, full development started in 2016. But they kept it so quiet, didn't they? Oh my words! I did. I don't even know how they did that. I don't even, but because if if you read the reviews, I don't know if you're going to go onto that, but if you read the reviews of it, people love it. People, yeah. anyone with an Oculus Rift, uh, who's playing it on the, like the PC, I don't, it's just on PC at the minute, is it? PC. It's just a PC game. Uh, they just love it. They love it. They say it's like perfect. I'm like, oh man. I wish I had a PC that could be good enough to play it, but. Well, I've got a PC that could play it. You've got a VR headset, haven't you, Dylan? Well, I've got the PSVR, so I can't. Well, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work on the yeah. PC. It's, do you know what? I, I, put, I don't know if Rob agrees with me or not, and I would love to hear his opinion, but VR's never really been that big a deal for me. It's never kind of jumped at me. It's one of those things that, yeah, it's going to be quite fun, quite niche, quite, quite be a bit of fun here mm. and there. But this is the only time ever since this game has been released where I'm thinking, actually, I, I am considering getting a virtual reality headset. They're expensive. My wife would have a fit saying, why are you wasting money on that rubbish? But <laughs> I am very tempted. You could, sell, you could sell your Jaguar CD to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could. And a lot of people thinking I should, but I, I, I can't. It's, part, it's another limb. It's, another, it's an extra limb of mine. Um, but Half-Life Alex is a... Um, it's not even a sequel. It's a prequel. It's in between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. It takes in the events when, when you're basic in some deep sleep, really, as Gordon. And you play Alex Vance, as we mentioned earlier. And again, I've seen some gameplay footage. It looks absolutely incredible. Um, it, it's, it's still got the Half-Life feel. It just looks crisper, smarter. And you've got something called gravity gloves, apparently. They can manipulate objects. There you uh, go. It's a gravity thing. And the kind it's of, uh, similar yeah. to the gravity gun, exactly. Now, Rob, so what, what's your view on the whole VR headset? And do you reckon this Alex game could be tempting your, you to, to plunge into the, <laughs> the VR world? Well, I don't know. For me, like I kind of said before, I haven't uh, bought a new system in a while. Uh, it's not really... New games aren't really that much on my kind of um, to-do list right now. So... I would say realistically, maybe not. But having said that, I was also for a long time not really anti-VR, but I just didn't like you. I didn't really get the fuss about it. I'd kind of I'd yeah. worn our stuff, wasn't really that into it. Um, and I think a big barrier is going to be the amount of kind of design it is going to require to actually have an entire VR world. I mean, you know, to have that kind of immersive, completely immersive experience in terms of any kind of big length is going to take so much power, so much time to put together. It's going to be an issue. Although I think uh, AI will probably kind of sort some of that stuff out. But having said that, what I think changed my mind was when we were around Keith's house. Because Keith has like a yeah. VR yeah, attachment. And man, I've got to say, I was really impressed with that. I know they're, they're relatively simple games, but they were really fun. Like I just thought the graphics were terrific. I thought like that for the first time, I think wearing that, I kind of was thinking, yeah, I, I can see this. So, yeah, I think... If if this game manages to be, I think the first kind of really good large scale, like properly immersive uh, VR game, then yeah, it's definitely going to make me more inclined to do it. Mm. This game, Rob, has got some serious great reviews. A lot of people are angry at it purely because it's pu- only VR. You can't play it on your PC without VR, and I'm kind of understand that. I'm kind of in that in that sort of segment, but 
it's the first time ever, like like you said, where I'm tempted to make the plunge. Dylan, would you ever play Half-Life Alex if you had a choice? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd like to play a lot more of Half-Life 2 before I went into that, uh, to be fair, and, and, and also the the extra episodes. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if a PSVR release is in the pipeline. I thought it was, actually. I don't know if there's some mock-ups or something. I don't know if someone was just taking okay. a mickey, but... Yeah, I think it might. They might wait for PS5. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, probably. I think I think the PS5 is where is where the PSVR will really come into its own. I think with the added power, I think a lot of these sort of little glitches that you see in the the PS4 one will will go. And I think they'll with the extra frame rate. I think they'll solve the the hopefully solve the sickness thing, which you can kind of kind of negate to it to a degree. But yeah. All of that will be so. Yeah, maybe they should just hold on till PS5 and then do a, do a port because people would buy it. But but from, from the sound of the reviews and from how ape people are going about it, I think I think it'll be a bestseller on PS4. So PS5. still quite a niche, still quite a niche market. I think the VR for the PC, but there is now I think um, Steam they've actually made their own sort of uh, or Valve have made their own VR headset, which is very expensive. I'm thinking I think it's about five six hundred quid maybe if not more it's a lot of money obviously other i think it's the oculus rift didn't you Dylan? Just that get the oculus used. rift i think that's what a lot of yeah, yeah. pc gamers are just getting now yeah just get one of those how much does that cost these days a couple hundred quid i think i can have a quick look tempted. actually tempted yeah. i'm tempted look i i just want to finish off really briefly of half-life 3 obviously we haven't, we haven't had that yet a lot of people thought that half-life 3 would never happen um I've got a lovely quote here, but and then they're watching Alex basically very carefully. Here's Valve's Robin Walker. He he said earlier this month he said that Alex is not the end of the franchise, and he he actually spoke to PC Gaming. He said, "Look, uh, uh, Valve scribe Eric uh, Wopar, he said that they are ready to sign up for the next one." Uh, now uh, that the the long Half Life drought is finally over, I do think we're going to see a Half Life three. When I don't know exactly how, I'm not sure. I don't think it, I reckon it'll be open to all games. It's not just VR, but I am excited. Question: that Couple of things then. So you can get um, one of the old Oculus Rifts for like a hundred, hundred and fifty quid, which is really? probably about comparable to the PSVR and what you can get that second hand. Uh, the, the question is: Would it Half Life Three though? It can't. Ugh, it, it. You think it wouldn't? It wouldn't be VR. You think it would just be like an yeah. FPS game? I do. I think, and in I, that, personally, and in I think that it would. sense, how can it be more kind of groundbreaking than other FPSs at the moment? Because Half-Life 2, if you look at what was around, yeah, with how it kind of injected that sense of fear and, you know, it, it did so much more than other FPSs at the time. But how is a Half-Life 3, other than just carrying on Gordon Freeman's story, how is it actually gonna, gonna have that kind of an impact? My answer to that is I'm not paid the big bucks to worry about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, a lot of people thought no way Half-Life 2 can be good as Half-Life 1. Not everyone thinks it's better. I think it's better than the original, which is a really tough mantle. So I think Valve aren't idiots. And Gabe is a very well-respected entrepreneur. Um, I, I think He's actually said in the past, like, like, like he's hinted earlier, I said earlier in this pod, he would never make a Half-Life 3 if it's not going to be perfect. And I trust him. I do trust Gabe a lot. He's a, you know, I, again, you're right, they didn't. You could argue that they might backtrack a little bit. They might sort of be reducing, watering down the VR aspect, possibly. They might make it VR accessible. And, but, but 
It has to happen. I w- Gordon Freeman has to continue. That's my eyes. You I'd love see, it. But- you can see why people, there, there is this mad clamour for Half-Life 3. After you play Half-Life 2. Especially when there's no, there's no ending. Half-Life 2, Episode 2, you're still kind of in stasis. There's no kind of end to your mission. It, <laughs> it, it needs to be finished somehow, right? Or at least continued. That's the thing, isn't it? It's the human desire for for ending something, isn't it? For finality. What does Rob think yeah, about all of yeah. this? He's been quiet for a while. Well, no, I was just thinking, uh, does there have to be resolution? Like, I That's think... the thing, isn't it? You're, you're, kind of, you're kind of going against human nature there, isn't it? That's the thing. Like, I think if there's no resolution, there's always a mental itch. You feel like you have to scratch. You can never be completely satisfied. But it seems to me a lot of the time people are unsatisfied with the ending endings anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Usually because, because you know, things uh, end too late because they've gone on t- for too long. Yeah. I think I don't really have, I think, an issue on... For me, I think the bigger issue is uh, jacking on sequel after sequel and just trying to drag it into new places. I kind of admire uh, the stance that Valve have taken where, you know, they aren't going to release something unless it's really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to see, we should see more of that in general culture. Yeah. So you're telling me you don't want a new Rocky Seven? Is that what you're saying, <laughs> I've been telling you that for ages. <laughs> like that's why we have Creed. So what, Sylvester Stallone doesn't have to get into a boxing ring and pretend that he can box. Yep. Yep. Um, like this should be Rocky Six or Rocky Five. There's silence in the line, but it's true. You know it's true. Rocky Four should have been the ending. It was a perfect ending. Oh, <laughs> what was Adrian going to say to that? No, Rocky Balboa. I think was a. Uh... A brilliant full stop to the series, but Creed rejuvenated it. Look, Rob, you know me. If they make Rocky twenty seven, I'll still watch it. You know me. I'm I'm I'm, I'm guilty. <laughs> yes, I'll be glad to watch it in the cinema with you, and I'll go. But like, but come on, you have to agree that the whole series as a whole. I know we're getting off track here a little bit, but you have to agree that the series as a whole would have been better if they'd just skipped from Rocky four to Creed one. Uh, no. No, because think about it. Rocky IV, Rocky AC had loads of money. Why would he bother training Adonis? He had to be brought down to, he had to be brought down to the street. Rocky Five no, stuff. No, you're thinking you're thinking of Rocky Five. Adonis he trains because of guilt over Apollo's true. death. True, true, true. Uh, well, let's let's not get into massive Rocky debates. I know people will be like, oh, this is supposed to be Half Life, <laughs> but but Gordon. Does Gordon deserve another slice, another another chapter in his life? I personally think he does. Um, I agree with Rob in the sense, though, don't rush it. Don't do it for the sake of it. If you're going to do it, do it right. And I do think Half-Life Alex could be the push that Valve need to really go for, and push the series into another direction. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at ArcadeAttackUK at Keith Barlow 82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.